for. But I think oftentimes when we go through Thanksgiving time, we spend time being thankful for all the, the things that we have, but oftentimes we forget to get down to the root of it. Why are we blessed? Why do we have so much? Why is our life what it is? And so this morning, I want to talk with you about celebrating redemption. I think it's something that we don't often just think about, well, let's celebrate redemption. But it's because we've been redeemed that all of this is made available to us. And, and when we think of redemption, I think so often we just, we just think of it as a spiritual term. But it, it's so much more than that. It's, it's the breakthrough that we have in every area of our life. It's because of the redemptive works of Jesus. You know, as you probably all know, redeemed means to buy back, to purchase back. And that's what Jesus did through his death, burial, and his resurrection. He bought us back. back. He brought us back to that place where God intended for us to be before the fall. We see how Adam and Eve sinned, and as a result of that, there was a separation that took place between God and man. But Jesus came and he redeemed us. He bought us back. He restored that which had been taken from us. And so when we begin to talk about redemption, it, it's, it's dealing with so much more than just simply, although if this is what it was, it would be more than enough, going to heaven. But it's dealing with health. It's dealing with prosperity. It's dealing with deliverance. It's dealing with with all of these different areas in our life. And we need it to be more than just a, a spiritual term that we use once in a while. Redemption needs to be something that is alive to us. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and it'll be up on the overhead. But in Colossians, the first chapter, in the 12th verse, it says, giving thanks. You know, one of the key elements in the life of a believer is to have a thankful heart. And I think oftentimes that's where we, we, we fall short. We, we, we don't have a thankful heart. And I think oftentimes the reason that we don't is we look at circumstances rather than reality. The reality is Jesus has set us free. It doesn't matter what we what the circumstances are around us, that we can, we can trust him completely. And so we need, to have a, we need to have a thankful heart. And it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us. Notice it's past tense. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> and so redemption is more than just a title. Redemption is a person. Redemption is, is Jesus. Redemption is our Redeemer. It's not just an activity that took place in our life. It's someone who has set us free. And so Jesus shed his blood so that we might be 
totally free. I want to look at Colossians 1 again, only in verse 13 and 14, and I want to read it out of the Amplified Version. And it says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has tr transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom, speaking of Jesus, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. And so our sins are forgiven given because we're redeemed through Christ Jesus. So we have this, we have this position in him. Now, is it, is it really about the stuff or is it really recognizing what Jesus did for us? You know, yesterday, and I'm sure all of you really care about this, <clears throat> but for the first time in 15 years, Minnesota beat Wisconsin. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And they, so they got the axe back where it belongs. It belongs in Minnesota. And so when the game closed, Minnesota won. All of the team ran down to the end zone. They got the axe, and they're running with the axe. You know, and it's really just a big chunk of wood. But they're, they're running with this axe. They're running along, and they're running all the way across the field to the other side. And I noticed something. All of a sudden, I saw players that were dropping out of the crowd from Minnesota. Now, if it would have been me, it would have been because I was too tired to run down the field again. But they just saw, all of a sudden I saw them peeling off. And I don't think the camera really intended to show this because they don't intend to show these things to us. But there was a shot of the center of the field, and at the center of the field were Wisconsin players and that's where these Minnesota players that were celebrating beating Wisconsin for the first time in 15 years, getting the ax back, were standing with their arms around the Wisconsin players and they were praying a prayer of thanks together as a team. Now, it isn't because it's Minnesota. It isn't because it's Wisconsin. It was because it did something to my heart to know that these players, in a moment of achievement, still put their Redeemer first. You know, and that's what I think about Thanksgiving. I think about, you know, the times we get together. If you're like us, we, we get together and we talk about the things that we're thankful for and so forth. But how many times do we bring up the fact that I'm so thankful that I'm saved? I'm so thankful for Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, this house that we live in, this, it was made available to us because I've been redeemed from poverty. We have this food on the table because we've been redeemed from lack. We're experiencing victory in our life. Why? Because we've been redeemed from bondage. We can celebrate in our health. Why? Because we've been redeemed from sickness and disease because of the completed works of Jesus. And I think so often in our lives we spend so much time being thankful for the superficial things, which aren't very superficial, but 
in comparison to Jesus. It's superficial rather than being so thankful for what Jesus has truly accomplished and what he's truly done in each and every one of our lives. Jesus positioned us through his death, burial, and resurrection, through our redemption. Jesus positioned us for the kingdom of God. That we might experience the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not that which we experience just simply when we go to heaven. The kingdom of God is what's to be manifest in your life and my life right now because of what Jesus accomplished for each and every one of us. In Ephesians, the first chapter, in the 13th verse, it says, sixth verse, did I say that? Having predestined us, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. According to the good pleasure of his will. That was, that was five, I was supposed to start in six, but how can he not like verse five? You've been predestined, you've been chosen to be blessed. Now you say, well, you know, predestination. Every one of us have been predestined for the goodness of God. And even though we've been predestined for it, if we choose not to follow him, we're not going to experience what he's made available to us. But then we get into the sixth verse and it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which we have been made accepted in the beloved. We've been made accepted in the beloved, in Jesus in him, we have redemption. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Notice, it's not according to the goodness of our behavior. It's according to the richness of his grace because of what Jesus did for us. He purchased us back. Notice verse 7 in the Amplified. In him we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood. The remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. We have his favor in our life. You know, we go back to the book of Genesis and we see the fall of man, and we see what took place in the garden. We see that there was this, this separation that took place between God and man. In Genesis 3, 7 and 8, it says, Then the eyes of both of them, speaking of Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the tree of the garden. We no longer have to hide ourselves from God. We no longer have to have this sense of guilt and shame and separation. 
But it's not because of what I've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. And that's why it's so important for us to, to constantly give thanks for our redemption, for our Redeemer, to rehearse that, review that over and over in our mind because we need to have confidence in what Jesus did for us, that it was enough. Because otherwise what happens is that guilt, that shame, that, that sense of not belonging tries to rise up in each of our lives. You know, I know people that have been, been saved for years and years and years. And they have this sense of not belonging. And they think it's because of, of, of some individual or something or other. But no, it's because they don't know the redemption that they have in Christ Jesus. And they don't dwell on that. You know, <clears throat> our confidence comes from thinking on what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says that we're to meditate on the Word, meditate on the completed works of Jesus, that we're to do that day and night. And it isn't just because we've got to have something to fill our time. Because most of us don't have enough time. But there's a reason why we're to think on the things of God day and night. Because if we're going to have confidence, if we're going to be free from shame and guilt and all those other things. We're going to have to be thinking on the things of God. Jesus came to model our spiritual life. We've been delivered from spiritual darkness. We've been delivered from spiritual death through Christ Jesus. But Jesus didn't just come to set us free. He came through his life and through the working of the Holy Spirit within us to be able to model within us that spiritual life, that spiritual abundance that's available to each and every one of us. You know, he came to redeem us from the curse of the law. In the Old Testament, we see what the curse was. And Jesus came to deliver us from that curse. In Romans, the fifth chapter, and the tenth verse, it makes this statement. It says, For if when we were enemies, while we were sinners, if we were, we were enemies, we were separated from God. It says, So if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so he's saying, we were enemies with God. We were, we were dead to the things of God. And when we were in our most lost state, Jesus came for you and I. He gave his life for you and I. He paid the price for you and I. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to be the propitiation for our sins. And Jesus, while we were yet sinners, came and gave his life for you and I. While we were sinners. But now, we are the redeemed of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And oftentimes we're, we're afraid to acknowledge it. 
The Bible says if you're redeemed, don't be afraid to acknowledge it. Don't be afraid to say so. When temptation comes your way, when shame comes your way, when guilt comes your way, you need to announce, no, 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 no. That has no place in me because I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Well, pastor, that's kind of arrogant. No, that's, that's confidence. That's, that's knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I was tempted to regress there, but I thought better of it. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. And he says, he gave his life while we were yet sinners. You think he's going to withhold his life from you now? That you're his child? That you're his... Saint, listen to this same verse out of the Amplified. For if while you were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we shall be saved daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life. We're living in his resurrection life. And Jesus is still living and working within each and every one of us. You've heard me say this before, but when the children of Israel were delivered from bondage, when they were delivered from Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But it was never God's will for them to wander in the wilderness. It was for them to enter into the land of promise. So God, with redemption, there's two parts of redemption. There's two sides of redemption. There's that which you're redeemed from so that you can be redeemed into. So he bought you out of darkness so that he could deliver you into the light. And so he didn't deliver us from sin and darkness so that we could wander around and, and, and just suffer for however many years we live on earth. He delivered us from darkness so that we might experience, that we might live in the light. The fullness of what Jesus has made available to us, that's health, that's prosperity, that's deliverance, that's wholeness of life, that's victory. In every area of our life. That's what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And so it says that he redeemed us from the curse. In Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. You know, from about Deuteronomy 20, or not Deuteronomy 15 to the end of the chapter. You know, it's kind of depressing. But you know, every once in a while, you just need to read Deuteronomy 28. It makes you thankful. Because it reminds you, praise God, I've been set free from this. Listen to this. Or don't listen. It's up to you. But Deuteronomy 28, 22, it says, The Lord will strike you with consumption. I really don't know what consumption is, but it doesn't sound very good. It says, The Lord will strike you with consumption, with, fe with fever, with inflammation, with severe <clears throat> burning fever, with the sword, with scourging, with mildew. They will pursue you until you perish. 
Hmm. Doesn't sound very good, does it? Verse 27. The Lord will strike you with boils of Egypt, with uh, tumors, with scab, with the scab, and with the itch. Just kind of makes you want to itch just reading it, doesn't it? From which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of, of heart. Verse 29. And you shall grope at noonday. As a blind man gropes in darkness, you shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered and continually, and no one will save you. (coughs) Verse 35, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on your legs and with severe boils and cannot be healed and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Now, I don't know about you, that didn't sound very good. But you know, the Bible says, that that's a curse, and I don't know about you. That kind of sounds like the curse. But that's upon your physical body. But then listen to this in verse 38. And you shall carry much seed out into the field, but gather little. And so he says, you're going to work your tail off, but it's not going to produce anything. For the locust shall consume it. Verse 39. You shall plant your vineyards and tend them. And you shall neither drink the wine nor gather the grapes. For the worms shall eat them. Verse 43. The aliens was among you. You shall rise higher and higher above you. And they shall come down, and you shall come down lower and lower. And he shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to them. And he shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. And so it says in your finances, listen, God's blessing means that you're going to be blessed in every area of your life. The curse comes upon you to take away from you in every area of your life. You know, there's principles that we have to apply. You know, there's a message that's been rolling around in my heart because I think when, when, when we talk about being free of the law, people have this idea that they can be lawless. It's not what the Bible is talking about, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about those in, in some weeks to come. But what I want you to see here this morning is you have been redeemed from the curse, and so everything that I mentioned there, you've been redeemed from it. So that's why our farmers, your crops produce abundance. If you have a business, your business prospers. If you work for a business, the business that you work for, they prosper. Why? Because you're blessed. You know, most of you have heard this little story. It's about the right time of the year to share it. But I worked for Joe's Plumbing, John's Plumbing, out of Arnold, Missouri, when I was going to Bible school. And John was a practicing heathen. I think he cursed for my benefit. And, uh, but I'm working for John, and the business is prospering, the business is blessed. And so Christmas time comes along, and there's these other three guys that have worked for him for several years, and 
And so we, we get together that, that morning, and he's going to take us out to eat and some different things. But he, he says to his wife, because it's payday, he says, I want you to go down, and I want you to give them their checks, but then I want you to give them another check, and I want you to have, on each of the guys to have this much money. And so whatever you have to do with the taxes to make that happen, I want them to have that much money in their hands. And, uh, and we said, well, John, thank you. And he says, well, you help make it, you might as well help spend it. Then he gave us some other stuff, and we're leaving. And uh, we're in, the, you know, the one guy I'm working with, we're going to a job, and he says, I, ju I just can't believe this. I just can't believe this. I said, what? And he says, he has, he has never given us a bonus check before, never. I, I just can't believe that he's, he, he's pouring this stuff on him. We, and I said, well, this guy's a Christian. I says, have you ever heard of the blessings of Abraham? And he says, well, yeah, but I think maybe we're experiencing the blessings of Schroeder. <laughs> and at first I wanted to correct him, but then I thought, no, I kind of like that. <laughs> but you know, when you walk in the blessings of God, everybody around you gets blessed. People that you employ, they get blessed. When you walk in the blessings of God, when you, when you work for somebody and, and, and serve God with all your heart, in order for God to bless you, he's got to bless them. You know what? He's going to do it. But do we expect that? Well, we ought to. Why ought to? Why, ought, why should we expect that? Because we've been redeemed from the curse. And the thing that you see, when you're redeemed from the curse, everybody around you reaps the benefit of it. Not in the same way that you do. But everybody reaps the benefits of it. And see, what I want you to see this morning is we have a lot to be thankful for. But it begins with Jesus. It begins with the fact that we have been redeemed. 1 John 1, 2, it says, Beloved, and so that's speaking to you and me. 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I, des <clears throat> I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. There's a condition that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You know what? You can't believe for something that you don't know belongs to you. You won't experience it just because you are. You need to know what Jesus has made available to you. You know, for years I was saved, but I didn't know healing really belonged to me. I knew that it was available, but I didn't know that it belonged. I was a Christian for years, and I, I knew that God could prosper me, but I didn't know that it was his will to prosper me. You know, when you begin to, to know something, you really believe something, you begin to walk in it. And that's where we need to be in our walk with him. We were yoked with the evil one. We were yoked with the devil. We were part of darkness. But you know what? Now we walk in the light. We walk in the victory. And the thing about it is we don't have to do it on our own. You know, in Matthew, Jesus makes this statement. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know why that is? When you're yoked to somebody, you're connected with somebody. Jesus is the one that's carrying the burden. And he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so often in so many Christian circles, you hear the, 
oh, it's so difficult, it's so hard, it's so... It's because we don't know what Jesus has truly made available to us. And we're not walking in the fullness of it. We're not experiencing what he's done for us because he's done it. 2 Peter 1.3, it says, As his divine power, Jesus' power, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's all been made available to us, but if, if we don't have the knowledge, if we don't know what Jesus has done for us, we're not going to walk in the fullness of it. You know, to think positively, and I'm not just thinking of Norman Peel, and what was his name? Vincent Peel, or you know that Vincent dude. You know, all the books that he's got out there. I'm not just talking about positive thinking, although he is a Christian, but a lot of his was, was just simply positive thinking. I'm not just talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about your, your, your thinking being renewed. I'm talking about your thinking being positive because your, your thinking lines up with the Word of God, which is positive. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so when I begin to think and believe that I'm whole, that I'm healthy, I'm going to live in that. I'm going to walk in that. doesn't mean that I don't have to ever believe again and, and deal with something. But I'm going to think positive concerning those things. I'm going to have an expectation of health and wholeness. And the same thing is true where positive, where, where, where prosperity is concerned. That scripture that we read earlier during the offering, that not only are my needs going to be supplied, when I practice the principles of God, and my mind is renewed to believe that when I operate in those principles and apply them in my life, I'm going to have enough to meet my needs, and I'm going to have enough to give, to supply the needs of others, to give, as the scripture says in, in the Amplified, to every good charitable organization or need. Well, let me read it again. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 out of the Amplified. And God is able. Everybody say, God is able. So it's because we trust Him, because we rely upon Him. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. I don't know, how can you not get happy over that? The only way you don't get happy over that is because you don't believe it. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may be always, that you may always and under all circumstances and when whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support or furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. You know, now I'm going to probably tick some people off, but I can't help it if it's the truth. 
So many of our government programs and church programs entitle people. So they don't ever get to this point to where they are self-sufficient. Now, by self-sufficient, I mean we're always dependent upon Jesus. Amen? But self-sufficient from the standpoint, they're able to make it. And they have enough so that they can have charity in their life and give to somebody else. That's where God wants us to be. But because we don't believe the Word of God, we don't bring people, we don't teach people, we don't draw people to the position where they begin to trust God more than man. You know, I love folk. Now, I don't give out as much as I used to because of getting smarter. But you know what? People cheated. They would come into my office with a need and they'd always bring their babies. How do you turn down a baby? It's cheating. But you know what? If you always supply, God, there were individuals that I'd help that God said, don't do it no more. He says, because they're putting their trust, they're putting their confidence in you. They need to put their trust, they need to put their confidence in me. We need to train people. Thank God for programs. But those programs ought to sustain us until we get on our feet and we're believing God for ourselves. And you don't get there by taking. You get there by giving. You may not have much, but you have more than somebody else. I'll guarantee it to you. You may not feel like you're able to tithe. Then don't. But give something. Because that something will help to meet the needs of others. You say, well, pastor, you know, I, you know, I, I don't really give very much to the church, so I hate to give to something else. Listen, when you give to the church, you're giving to Hope House. You're giving to Blessman Ministries. You're feeding children in South Africa. You're giving to uh, Smithwick Ministries. You're preaching the gospel in Thailand, in, in Brazil, all over the world. When you give to this church, you're giving to the needs of others. And so, don't, don't ever use that excuse, I don't have anything. You got something. If you don't have anything else, tear a button off your shirt. But give something. Because until something is sown, nothing can bring increase. Just the thought. But it's more than a thought, it's the truth. We need to be givers. You've been redeemed from the curse. Oh, glory to God. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for you. That the blessings in Christ Jesus might come upon you. 
and that you might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Listen to this in the Amplified, 13th verse. Christ purchased your freedom, redeemed us from the curse, doom of the law, and its condemnation by himself, becoming a curse for us, for it is written in the Scriptures, Curses everyone who hangs on the tree is crucified. Jesus gave his life for you and I so that we might have the abundant life. I mentioned this earlier. Psalms 107, verse 2. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Just remind the enemy, I am redeemed from you. Lack, poverty tries to come against you. Remind it. I'm redeemed from you. Sickness and disease tries to come against you. Remind it. I'm redeemed from you. That sin that so easily tries to beset you, tries to come against you, remind it. I'm redeemed from you through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of my testimony. Notice, it isn't just simply the blood of the Lamb. It's through the word of my testimony. It's declaring what Jesus has already accomplished, what Jesus has done for me. It's an accomplished fact. It's not something I'm trying to get. It's something that Jesus has already done for me. Going back to Ephesians again, only in the second chapter, in the third, 13th verse, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were far off. We were like Adam and Eve when they, they hid themselves because they were exposed, because they saw their guilt and shame. And so what they do? They hid. They were separated from God. They were far off from God. We were in that state. But through Christ Jesus, we've been brought near. Again, let me read it out of the Amplified, including the 14th verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away, through, by, in the blood of Christ, have been brought near. For he is himself. In other words, he and nobody else. For he is himself our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He has made us both Jews and Gentiles one body and has brought down, destroyed, abolished, the hostile dividing wall between us. Christ has done it all for us. Under the law, division rules. But you know, it's an interesting, in Christ, it's favor-based. And in the world, we see people, they, they find favor because of race, because of gender, because of economic status. But you know what, in Christ Jesus, we don't have that. 
In Christ Jesus, there's no longer male or female. There's no longer rich or poor. We're one in Christ Jesus. We're all on the same level in Christ Jesus. We can all have fellowship in Christ Jesus. But you know what? Outside of Jesus, we don't find that. It says our peace, our bond of unity and harmony, we find that in Christ Jesus. Peace means nothing missing and nothing broken. It means we're whole in Christ Jesus. When we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we begin to see that we are the apple of his eye. That there's absolutely nothing the enemy can bring against us that's going to bring destruction. Going a little bit further in the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, or excuse me, still in the second chapter, but the 15th verse. And it says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself a new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby putting to death the enmity. In other words, the division has been destroyed. Remember when, when God spoke uh, to Eve in the garden? He said, I'm going to put enmity between her seed and his seed. Between the seed of, of, of Jesus and that of the evil one. And that's why there's so much division between the world and Christians. It's death and destruction. But it's no longer there. It's been removed. We can have peace with one another as we've never had it before. And that's what's so sad within the church. Again, we look at all the superficial stuff and we, we get division as a result of that. Or there ought to be harmony. There ought to be peace amongst us. We find it in Christ Jesus. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, Therefore, putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Notice he doesn't have many houses. He has one temple. We're members of that temple. We're to be a part of that. We're being built together. Let me read two verses out of the Amplified. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. In him, the whole structure is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously. And it continues to rise, grow, increase into the holy temple of God, the sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred 
to the presence of the Lord in him and in fellowship with one another. You yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, dwelling place of God in, by, through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us, enables us to function in our full capacity. But we can't do it separately. We need one another. And you know, even within the church, oftentimes there, there's different thought. There's different views. But we can still love each other. We can still function together. We can still see his kingdom built amongst us. Why? So that his kingdom can come. So that his kingdom can manifest. So that his will can be done. So that those that have not heard have the opportunity to hear. So that those that are not walking yet in the fullness of the blessing, that they might begin to walk in that which has been provided for them through Christ Jesus. Redemption. It's more than just a subject matter. Redemption is the person of Jesus. And he redeemed us so that we might enter into the life that he had desires for us to experience in its fullest. It's Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that wants us to walk in the fullness of it. You know, through this holiday season, here we are. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of December. Who, mercy sakes alive, who would believe it? But let's make the most of it. Let's use it as an opportunity to fix our attention, not just on the decorations. So I don't have to focus on that because I got that done Thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing wrong with it. But is it, what is it really reminding us of? It ought to remind us of Jesus coming, not just simply in a manger, but coming in the flesh so that he could live on this earth, so that he might live that sin, sinless life, that he might die, that he might be raised from the dead, that you and I might be justified, that we might be redeemed, from that lost, hopeless world. You know, through this Christmas season, you're going to hear a lot of negativity. You're going to hear a lot of hopelessness. But there's only one answer for hopelessness. It's hope. We have hope. Because we have Jesus. And that confession of our mouth, 
can change the environment for those around us if we don't allow it to dominate us. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our hope. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. We can walk with our heads high because of Jesus. Let's rely on him. So Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. We thank you for truth. We thank you for Zoe life. And Father, we thank you that you've given us the privilege, the opportunity to be your ambassadors in this hopeless world. Father, I pray that we might not succumb to the temptation of negativity, but that we would allow you to hold our heads high, that we might speak the truth of your word and bring hope to the hopeless. Father, we're here to bring glory to your name. Use us to that end. And Father, I pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in the marvelous name of Jesus. Amen. And if you didn't get a chance to sign up for those things that I pass around, I think they're probably on the back table and be sure to sign up. Be blessed.